0: Welcome to the Swimming Ideas Podcast. This is episode number 48. My name is Jeff and I will be your host. This episode is the science behind progressions. Today we're looking at what USA Swimming suggests as the best way to teach your swimming lessons. Now beyond just how step-by-step to do that, we're looking at what the general recommendation is behind the theory of your swim lesson program. We wanna look at how you are actually teaching. We're focusing on the progressions and the purpose of your lessons that's right today we're talking about the science behind progressions what are the reasons that we go through the step-by-step incremental difficulty increasing why we go from one item to the next in a logical, progressive manner, and why that's important for learning for new, ch- new swimmers, especially young swimmers. Today we're taking an in-depth look at infants and young children and why we do the stuff we do with their swim lessons. I want to direct you to the USA Swimming article that is linked on their Learn to Swim lesson page, and that's you can find that at usaswimming.org under Swim Lessons. Now, this is the document for a, I think it's a county board task force on prevention and drowning, and they took a look at a bunch of different research papers, and I want to specifically focus in on one portion of this article, uh, one portion of this research, research paper that talks about moving and learning. Now, there's a lot of in-depth information that's highly scientific, uh, so there's a lot of big words. Um, But I want to just generally summarize what this article talks about and how that's important to our swim lessons and how you should take what you should take away from this article to have better swim lessons for you. Now, it says basically that uh, when you learn something, you increase the pathways in your brain to make future actions easier. So, for example, this is a classic example. If you want to learn how to throw a ball, you throw a ball repeatedly. And over time, you get better at throwing the ball. And the science behind this suggests that what you're actually doing is that you are creating a new pathway in your brain from one brain cell to another. And the more often you use that pathway, like a road, the better and quicker your brain can go from one to another. So if you have lots of practice doing something, you can quickly, automatically go take that path without having to consciously think about it. Now, this particular paper looks specifically at infants, and it says, as an infant repeats movements, the brain groups those movements together in a neural memory. And a newborn has very few memories and that as they interact in the world, their brain creates more memories. So what that means is as they experience doing things in the water, as they experience doing things in the world, they get better at doing those things because they're practicing them. Uh, And the pathways that allow the infant or the child to do those actions get stronger. So varied movement in swimming produces automatic responses later. Now, if we practice repetitive motions in different and varied ways, then when we go to move through the water with a specific goal in mind, for instance, freestyle, then that motion will be done quicker, it'll be done better, and it'll be done automatically without thought. So there's an automatic response that let's say we fall into the water, we will automatically go into what we know how to do already, in which case front crawl or freestyle or roll over onto your back and do backstroke. So when you're in the life or death situation, as this paper talks about, then you're going to do the activity that you're aware of. Now, I want to take a look at... um, the. Basically what this is saying is that when you do something, especially for an infant, whatever it is you're doing creates a pathway that's going to be used in the future. And you can create a strong pathway in a few different ways. You can do something over and over again, or you can have an extremely traumatic event that burns that pathway into the, into your memory uh, very vividly. So if you look at Um, if you see a train accident or if you see a car accident or if you see a plane crash or something, you know, you're going to have that memory very vivid in your mind. Or if you experience those things, that, that memory is going to be very vivid. Or if you do something over and over and over and over and over and over, over again, you're going to be able to access that action very quickly and automatically. What does this have to do with our swim lessons and why am I going into this? When we teach our swim lessons, our goal should be to focus on a gentle, nurturing lesson that is taught based on building skills upon skills until the movement is learned. And let's break that down a little further. When we teach swim lessons, we want it to be a gentle, nurturing environment. So we want to make sure that it's a slow progression, getting in the water, going underwater, Um, learning how to glide, learning how to move your arms, learning how to kick, and then at the end, putting it all together. As as opposed to, we're going to toss your child in the water and let them struggle to the surface, turn around their back, and claw their way to the wall. Not necessarily the best thing to do. And this paper that USA Swimming publishes on their website backs up why you don't want to do that. And I highly encourage you to read it. It is very dense, but it is also very important because it kind of backs up the entire process of why we do progressive incremental skill work. The second part of this, and this is the conclusion that this this board, this study came to, is that the first part, use gentle nurturing lessons and teach based on building skills upon skills, incremental progressions, until the movement is learned, until they can do freestyle, until they can do backstroke. That is the best way to go about teaching your swimmers. And so when you look at the swimming ideas and most swim programs, you see that they slowly integrate new skills that are founded upon previous skills. Now you can take, for example, our parent-taught class. So our, our goal is to, over time, get from not comfortable with the water. And we use songs, we use activities, we use games to drive experience into our participants so eventually they're comfortable enough to go underwater and pass from one person to another, which is essentially swimming underwater. They get a boost, but they're essentially swimming underwater. And a goal there is to get them comfortable going underwater, get them comfortable moving their body underwater, and get them comfortable using their body to make themselves move forward, which is our ultimate goal. So for our parent taught class, we're using step-by-step skill building upon skill building to get towards moving through the water independently or to be comfortable going underwater. All of these different games, all of these different activities, the songs that we play in our parent taught classes are specifically Just a little bit more difficult, just a little bit more active, requiring involvement and motion from the participants, the swimmers, the babies, the infants, that over time, as they're exposed to these songs and games, they're going to get better at moving their body in those motions slowly over time, because the more they do it, the easier it is to do it in the future, and then they don't have to think about it. So eventually, it'll become an automatic response. Now, in the case of if they fall in the water, there is no specific prevention for um, uh, what this article suggests is that there's no one cure for it, that it's a combination of preventative tactics and safety that keeps children from drowning. And this whole task force is designed around a response to ISR. Is ISR a viable way of teaching? And really, that depends on how it's being taught. But the conclusion based on this paper suggests that if you're tossing your child in the water and letting them struggle to come back to the surface and then doing that over and over and over again so that they learn how to roll onto their back and claw themselves to the side, that's not a good way to go about doing it. Instead, you can do that if you're doing it in gentle, nurturing lessons that are taught based on building skills upon skills until the movement is learned. So if you do it slowly, integrate, if that's your focus, then you can do that. But it requires the same amount of time. And instead, you can play games, you can do activities, you can teach skills where they will learn how to move in the water on their own, but in a fun, more specific, like engaging environment with a more holistic overall look at swimming in general with a specific purpose of swimming freestyle backstroke. And if you can do those things, you can get yourself to the side and you can do the roll around your back and struggle to the wall because you can float on your back because you can float on your stomach. You know how to hold your breath. So what we're looking at here is we don't want to just toss our children in the water and see if they can survive. Um, instead, we're using these incremental progression steps. Okay. So let's return to these incremental progression steps and how safety in the pool is more a combination of preventative tactics. So, having uh, effective fences around the pool, having supervision when you're in the water, not allowing unsupervised people to be in a pool or have access to a pool, uh, making sure there's locked gates, locked doors. So, reducing access to a pool, put covers on it that aren't, you know, you can't get under. Um, make sure that the pool is not accessible to infants or children because they can't be trusted to be there by uh, by, by themselves. And if we're teaching them to be able to fall into the pool or fall off a boat and float on their back, that's fine as long as we're doing it in an environment that's gentle, nurturing, and that it's taught based on building skills upon skills until the movement is learned, not just tossing them in the water and then helping them by giving them a push to spin over onto their back. So we don't want to incite that life or death situation experience. We want to instead do it in a gentle, nurturing environment where that life or death situation isn't activated in this in moment. So, um, and, and that's really the whole crux of this whole thing here, is that if you teach incremental steps like we do in our lesson plans, then your participants are going to have a better experience later on and they're going to be more apt and more able to learn swimming in a, in a quicker and better in the future. And they're going to have better associations with it. So I thought this was a very fascinating article. I thought it was very important that we talk about um, that moving and learning are connected uh, and that it's absolutely connected to intellectual development and early movement training should begin as soon as possible. So you can bring your infant into a parent-taught class, and that's an entirely appropriate thing to do, provided that that class is a gentle and nurturing environment where you teach skills one at a time that build upon previous skills, which is the entire foundation upon which our swim lessons are founded. We teach going underwater first. That's our foundation. And we do that in our level one class We're skipping the kids here, the infants here, but we do that in our level one class through repetition, through varied opportunities to go underwater, by playing games that involve putting your face in the water, by doing lots of different activities that all require your face to go underwater if you want to. So we do jumps, we do front glides, we do back glides, we do... um, make a cake, we do bobs, we play with rings, we do kickboards, we do barbells, we do floats, noodles, all these different activities, buckets, bucket head game, all these different games and abilities and skills that we work on involve putting your lips, your mouth, your face, your chin, your nose in the water so they can get exposed to it over time. And as they demonstrate that they have mastery over these different things, then we can go on to the next step. All right, now we're going to do it. If you can put your face in the water on your own, we're going to slowly introduce you into gliding across the water so you get the sensation and the feeling of movement. You can put your face on. That's the first skill. The next skill on the progression is moving through the water with your face in the water. The next skill on that is learning how to float on your back or move through the water on your back. The next skill on top of that is how to move your arms and legs to make yourself move. How to... how to make your arms and legs move in a coordinated fashion, which is most efficient to move through the water, which we call freestyle. And then on top of that, then we start doing butterfly and breaststroke. So there's this significant step-by-step ladder, step-by-step stairs of progression that we use to make sure that we're having a successful swimmer in the future. And not just a successful swimmer, but one that is Excited about swimming, a person that enjoys swimming, a person that has good associations with swimming because our environment is gentle and nurturing. It's slowly over time. It's not going to be toss you in, see what happens. We'll activate that life or death situation. And then your brain's going to freak out, dump in all this cortisol, which is a stress hormone, and then make you panic and have bad associations with swimming. Now that's not what we're doing. Instead, we're having step-by-step gentle progressions in a nurturing environment, which are going to create better lessons in the future and better swimmers in the future. So I want to know what you think about this. Um, let me know. Send me an email, Jeff at swimmingideas.com. Connect me on Twitter at swimming ideas or on Facebook, swimming ideas um, at Facebook. Um, and I just want to say here, When we do free play with, like, we'll put on life jackets, encourage swimmers to move around, that's the participant, that's the baby, the infant, the level one swimmer, just learning how paddling in the water makes yourself move. So if you move your arms in a certain way, what's going to happen to the body? If you move your feet in a certain way, what's going to happen? We want that free play in life jackets when they're really young because it allows them to kind of figure it out on their own. And then we're going to give them the framework to make themselves move forward in the future with specific arm motions, body positions, Uh, but that free play is an important component to that. When we teach our kicking motions, it's in general format, you know, give them an objective, move from here to there using your feet, and we can help them, you know, do flutter kicks or breaststroke kicks. Um, We do position 11 over and over and over and over again because it's a part, it's a component of every swimming stroke so we're getting the brain getting the synapses in the brain used to having the arms directly above the head directly above the shoulder extending forward in the direction that they want to go because that's going to be we're going to return to that point with every arm stroke you know we do front glide supports because if we support them in this position the body is going to remember the body position when they're trying to move through the water. Backlide, same thing. Um, we're supporting the body. We're giving them the assist that they need to learn how to put their body in that position on their own. So eventually they can do it by themselves and eventually they can do it automatically. You now, all these different skills lead up to both safety and competence in swimming and swimming ability. Okay, the number one takeaway from this whole thing a loving, slow, fun environment is significantly better than creating a life-or-death situation in your participant. Do not toss your child in the water and see if they can survive. Do not allow your instructor or your instructors to toss children in the water and gently, but not very interventionally, push them, turn them around, and get them to the side. That's not an appropriate response. We are not tossing children into the pool, letting them struggle, and get to the side of the edge or to the edge. To anywhere. It is not an appropriate thing to do. We will not do that. Now, even with supervision and with these repeated steps, it's still worse off for the participant than it is potentially saving them. Instead, and here's our solution to this, instead use gentle, nurturing lessons that are taught based on building skills upon skills using progressions until the movement is learned. So, in a gentle, loving environment, and I I would suggest fun two, build skills upon skills until your desired result is achieved. So if you want them, if your sole goal is to get your infant to fall into the pool, turn around and get to the wall, you can do that, but do it in an environment where each step is taught one on top of the other in a loving and gentle environment without just throwing them in or letting them fall in and then struggling to the side with very little to no intervention. And I just want to be clear on that. That's not the way to go. Instead, do it step by step over time in a gentle and loving environment. Let me know what you think. Jeff at swimmingideas.com, at Swimming Ideas on Twitter, or on Facebook, Swimming Ideas. Love to hear your thoughts on this. Thank you for the time you took to listen to this today. And tomorrow, we can teach better swim lessons together. Take care.